Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of HR Tech Chat. And I am very happy to have with us today a very interesting guest. I'm very much looking forward to this conversation with Ryan Anderson, who is VP of Global Research and Insights at Herman Miller. Hey, Brent. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, th thanks, for, uh, thanks for agreeing to do this. Um, this is going to be super interesting um, because, you know, a lot of people in our audience probably heard of Herman Miller. You know, you, you, you're known for office design, um, office furniture, this sort of thing, but it's really so much more than that. And, um, and, and in your role in, in Herman Miller's uh, sort of place in the market has, um, has evolved significantly in very, very intriguing ways over the course of the, um, you know, for lack of a more positive word, the pandemic. <laughs> uh, but but uh, maybe we could. I know that you were, we we spoke a few weeks ago, and and uh, you've been mentioning that that your sort of your interactions with HR leaders has actually increased significantly, uh, especially over this uh, past uh, first half of the year. Maybe what, what's going on? How how is your role changing? How how what's what? What are these dynamics? <laughs> sure. Yeah, well, I'll give you some background first. Um, you're right. Herman Miller is primarily known for modern design, for our chairs, in particular our office chairs. We've been around a really long time. We actually started out making products for home. Then we got into office, healthcare, higher education, and we've essentially made products for people to support them in a really wide variety of areas. And we've had a research function for a long time. We, we formalized our research group in 1960. And that group started looking into future of work, future of workplace, way beyond the furniture. In fact, um, one of my favorite stories is when Stanford uh, debuted the first personal computer to the world in an event known as the mother of all demos in the tech world. We designed the environment for it. So we've been looking into things like how technology impacts work and how that changes our built environment for a really long time. And my team continues that tradition. Um, we're the global research insight team. The research part is like the mining, it's the uncovering of, of hopefully the gold, which is the insights. Um, and we do that uh, for work. We've got a big project right now on future of home life. Um, but in particular, you're right, the, the pandemic gave us a chance to revisit and share a lot of kind of our vision for where the workplace was going. It started out a long time ago, back in 1968, um, a kind of a predecessor of, of ours, Robert Probst wrote this piece called The Office, a Facility Based on Change. It was a, a manifesto of sorts that was very human-centered. It was about how the, the environment could create more fluid, flexible experiences, enable change management, be more equitable. And then desktop computers rolled along and everybody got tethered to a desk and those desks effectively became cubicles. And we kind of began revisiting are thinking about future office when mobility started to come around, you know, 2005, 2010, we started to see the workplace becoming more and more dynamic. And we had this idea, and it was based on what we were seeing in the world that yes, in fact, more flexibility was going to be the new normal, offices were gonna become more on demand, um, and that we would see this essentially hybrid work state unfold. I don't think we saw it happening nearly as quickly as what the pandemic accelerated, and the one big surprise for me has been the involvement of HR. Re really pleasant surprise. Like I couldn't be happier about it. 
because for decades we wanted to elevate the role of workplace and that's not just office that could be work from home it could be co-working flex space whatever we wanted to elevate the role of that in terms of its value its impact on people its impact on engagement um, the need to focus on inclusive and equitable experiences within the workplace and we love the people we serve within facilities and real estate, but for better or for worse, real estate has often been viewed organizationally as a cost center. And so the people that we we know and love there may be very passionate about the topic, but often they're measured on real estate costs. And so having HR jump into the conversation has been awesome. And I, I think in a nutshell, what has really happened is we saw this pendulum swing where only 18% of organizational leaders thought remote working was really viable for, before the pandemic. Then the pandemic hit, we went into quarantine, organizations started to say, huh, remote working seems to actually be pretty, um, something we could scale, something that we could keep. By the time fall rolled around, we were getting questions like, do we still need offices? And we've, we've <laughs> actually studied um, remote first companies since about 2013. So we say, yes, you'll still want offices. They're gonna need to take on a different role. Um, the good news is you can get more value out of them than what you once did. and by the winter, particularly in those climates where people were cooped up, it was like, I think everyone realized remote working is not necessarily a panacea and they were beginning to seek more of a balance. And that forced the topic to shift from place to work, really future of work, yeah, thinking yeah. about what it takes to move into hybrid working and the whole host of things in terms of how we help work team leaders manage teams, how we think about cybersecurity, how we think about real estate investments. and. Actually, that's how our research is done. We focus on people, then process, then place. So we we want those spatial insights to go create great furniture, but we get to them by having a deeper understanding of people and how they work. Uh, so much in there. Uh, let's let's unpack a little bit of it. So first of all, as you mentioned, uh, work being not necessarily a place. It's 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 work, you know. And I thought to myself, okay, do how many how many people have stopped saying i need to go to work you know i you know i need to start where i i don't remember the last time i said i need to go to work because i i work in the office my office in the basement of our house uh, so i don't I, I need to start working now i've, I've said that I, I remember saying that yesterday morning um but that's really interesting to me you know another thing just you know, a little curio here is you, you mentioned that that your Herman Miller's research into this, your division um, was sort of, I think I heard this correctly, it was founded in um, in the early 1960s. And, and it was looking at back then the future of work. That to me is, is, is amazing. Uh, here I am, you know, in my uh, sort of my own little bubble in the HCM technology space, thinking that the term future of work was, was new. I, I need to read more books. <laughs> um, you know, what, now, but, but let's get into this idea of work being um, a, um, a thing versus a thing you do versus a place you go. And because it makes complete sense to me, this 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 um, this shift. You know, it's it's not so much uh, about your you know your your real estate. Um, you know, it's not facilities management so much anymore. But you're dealing with with the folks that are 
that are, have um, the, the greatest invested interest in making sure the employee experience is very positive. But maybe could you dive a little bit deeper into that? Sure. Yeah, I think there's a continuum here. Um, you're right. People are by and large not referring to going to work as if it's a place as much. And I think beyond that, we're seeing more and more people beginning to think about work, not even as a series of activities, but really focused on outcomes and, and productivity. And uh, we're seeing a major move away from presenteeism, which is, I think, a good thing. I think there's quite a few uh, solid pieces of research to indicate that presenteeism wasn't a particularly good measure of productivity from the outset. We're a founding member of something called Future Forum, which is a collaboration between Slack and Boston Consulting Group and Fortune Magazine and Herm Miller and others. And there's quite a few HR leaders involved. And one of them said, um, in, a, in a pretty straightforward way, we need to start thinking of work as outcomes, not activities. Stop measuring just if somebody's doing something and begin to move towards more, more goal-based um, ways of measuring if somebody's successful in their job because as the as kind of our work world becomes more flexible and in some ways more employee centric that means yes more autonomy more autonomy for the employees but more responsibility like people have to step up to those whom much is given much is expected and uh, as we see location flexibility becoming more reality people have to take accountability for meeting their own goals but there is um there's always a spatial dimension to uh, making sure that we're supported in doing our work. Um, in terms of the process, there's how we work, there's the tools we use, and then we're always somewhere. And uh, yeah. that somewhere can be really helpful. It can help us um, focus in on specific work activities. It can be healthy or unhealthy. And yeah, we spend a lot of our time trying to look at what those spatial dimensions are. Interestingly, the more we push the boundaries on where work can happen, the clearer our sense is of how each environment has to support it. So as an example, in the midst of the pandemic, we did a little collaboration with Nissan. They wanted to do a concept car, uh, their Nissan Caravan 350, MB350 uh, for the Toyota Auto Salon. And it was a, a basically a van tricked out for nomadic work. Nomadic work is like the extreme edge of not having a work location. It's, it's just, hitting the open road basically and living and going wherever you want and working along the way. And sometimes people would say to me, well, why are you doing that? Do you think minivans are the future of, of work? Well, transportation actually does support work often, commuter trains, airplanes, yeah. um, autonomous vehicles probably will become places of work. But the answer was, no, the more I understand how work can happen there, the more I can have a clear understanding of what a work from home situation might be like or what the office needs to do. So we shouldn't ignore the spatial dimensions and our, um, the people we serve within facilities management, corporate real estate, commercial real estate are super engaged and involved in making these transitions happen. But now they're doing it in much closer partnership with IT leaders and HR leaders. IT was kind of involved um, in a lot of ways before the pandemic, HR less so. Um, and as I've mentioned to you, I've, I've had more conversations and contact with HR leaders in the last four or five months than I'd had in the 25 years previously. That's not, a, that's not hyperbole or an exaggeration. The majority of people I talk to now um, are coming from HR. And I love it because the conversations are people-centered and they're about you know, productivity and health and the workplace, again, the continuum of places we now call the workplace has always impacted those things. It's just organizations didn't necessarily unpack their old assumptions about where work can happen. And now they are. 
You know what's interesting about the um, uh, nomadic work? Um, and, and you mentioned, so first of all, that's, that's sort of my fantasy is to get into an RV and just kind of <laughs> travel the country and, uh, and, and work because I'll have, a, I don't know, some crazy satellite, you know, internet hookup on the top of my Winnebago. Maybe it won't be a Winnebago, maybe something a bit upscale, but, but anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm getting ahead. I, I don't, you know, beggars can't be choosers, but anyway. Um, but what you said about nomadic work, solving for the most extreme uh spatial working um, potential circumstances, right? Um, and that way you can, you if you solve for that, then you'll be that much more able to just kind of like that solve for, for me working in my basement or, you know, or Jane Doe working in her, uh, you know, her loft across town or whatever um, remotely for their employees. And that that's interesting because there's an analogy um, and um, this, this may seem like a tortured one, but but I, I don't think so because you know I was just talking with a with a global payroll provider. We actually just did an HR tech chat um, with the chief product officer for uh, a global payroll provider, and um, what they do is they they solve for the strictest extreme right regulatory environment in any given. Uh, in, in all the countries that they that they cover for global payroll. And I, I think it's 40 countries that they solve for global payroll. So they they solve for the most extreme, most um, most the, the strictest regulatory environment of, of those 40 countries. And that way they know that they've solved for all 40. If, if they can if they can provide a, a, a reliable auditable uh, audit trail for that particular country, then it, everything else just flows. So so it actually is. So, so if you're solving for the most extreme scenario, uh, you're going to be able to solve for the average scenario uh, pretty easily. What are some of the what are some of the things that that you're learning about um, about making the? I love what you had to say, by the way. That everybody's is is someplace at all the time, right? It's true. <laughs> Even when you're sleeping, you're in bed. Uh, I was trying to think, where am I? Not someplace, and. and this, yeah, I'm literally someplace at all the time. Um, what are some of the things that uh, that Herman Miller is learning about um, about the, um, the 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 workspaces, workspaces, the the evolution of well, in terms of how to how to make that as um, uh, conducive to work as possible to, to outcomes based work? Because I also like what you said around presenteeism being basically a a poor predictor of of, uh, of productivity it makes a lot of sense to me you know uh, promptness is a big deal you know it's, uh, when you have a place to go for work and maybe it's maybe it is an indicator but presenteeism you know, people people are kind of working I know my work schedule is uh, is very fragmented you know I have some time in the morning till 3 3 p.m I pick up my girls from daycare and then I get back to work from four to six or something like that. And then I work in the evening after they're in bed, you know? So I've rambled a little bit, but what have, no, you, that's learned? Fine. What have you learned about workspaces and making them more conducive, you know, the evolution of the workspace, making them more conducive to outcomes-based work? Sure. Um, well, I think what we need to realize is that that 30 years or so when desktop computing was essentially the means by which we were productive, it caused 
people across the globe to begin to think that work happened in one place in a very predictable sort of way because people didn't have that autonomy. And our work activities became more and more varied and the tools that we used became diversified. <clears throat> but the assumption that it all had to happen in the office didn't change for a long time. So what happened was that the design of offices were essentially overburdened. And what I mean by that is, if I were to challenge you, Brent, to cook a meal that anybody on earth could eat anywhere at any given time for any meal, and everybody would need to kind of like it, you would end up being forced into creating something that was uniform, vanilla, and generic enough that it could kind of go anywhere. Um, or we could use the same analogy for like a piece of clothing. Like what, what could you wear in any climate, in any place? It, it would force you into something that is very, very generic and simple. That's what had happened with offices. It was like all of our activities are supposed to be supported there. But if you look at the design of offices by and large, they drifted into lots of open, smaller desks and lots of generic conference rooms. And if you were to look at a taxonomy of activities, and we have this from our research, so we could take a look at group activities like casual chatting or group co-creation um, or presentations, like activities that we do all the time. And we were to say, well, what's a conference room good for? Long skinny table, 12 chairs, monitor at the end with a video camera, whiteboards on a long end of the, uh, of the room. Is it really good for co-creation? Not really, no, because the room's stuffed with furniture and you can't move through it. Is it really good for presentation? Well, not great because you can't really see each other. You're doing this bob and weave to try to make eye contact. Like I can just go down the activities and say, this means of making these spaces more generic compromise their ability to actually do any specific activity with a degree of purpose. So what's been happening for a lot of years, actually, well before the pandemic, is that we're seeing work environments get more specific. Like, hey, let's really find a good place for people to do heads down, focused, concentrative work. Or let's find a great place for somebody to be able to have a really good moment of individual creativity or whatever. And so, um, what that means is that organizations need to move away from the idea that you do all your individual work at your desk and all of your group work in a conference room. And there's like this diversification, which is kind of a revisitation of what I talked about in 1968, this idea of office as a landscape. Yeah. And now that thinking is just extended beyond the walls of the corporate real estate portfolio. We have a sense of what can be well supported in the office, but we also know that home needs to support some really specific activities but here's the interesting thing. It's very, very difficult to actually say that any specific individual might do their work in a specific location, you know, that that location would be best for them on a given day um, without having a lot of input from them. So if I were to take a hundred people and say, where does this group do their best work? Mm. Job title, job function, work style really isn't gonna answer the question for me. There's some organizational factors like, the nature of their work, their team dynamics, their tool adoption, but there's a lot of personal stuff. And that's what you got to. It's your your own schedule. It's your demands as a caregiver, uh, whether you've got aging parents or whether you've got kids or pets. It's our individual abilities, our physical, cognitive, and sensory abilities that may impact where we are. It's whether we're introverted or extroverted. And so when you start looking exhaustively at the factors that impact where somebody can be productive, you'll ultimately go, I can't determine that. And so the end result is don't like give people choice and then give them choices 
And that's the path towards more equitable experiences. Now you got to trust your employees to, you know, use those, those resources. And it doesn't have to be pandemonium, yeah. but being able to say, you don't just have to sit at that desk. You can choose anywhere within this facility, or you can choose one of these facilities, or you can choose one of our offices or home on a given day. It's on you um, is the path towards much more equitable, healthy and productive experiences across the workforce. And there are some specific groups um, that we identified in our work with Future Forum that are asking for this most loudly. Um, the two that, that uh, we highlighted uh, just last month in a blog post are working moms and African-American knowledge workers who said for different reasons that that additional flexibility of not needing to be in the office created better experiences for them. For the working moms, it was very much about that those caregiving demands. And you know, when we saw some of these banks in New York say, you know, remote working is an anomaly. We want everyone back in. It was largely the working moms that were like, hold up. Like as a yeah. CEO, you might have a nanny and a driver, but that's not my life. Like I need some flexibility in order to balance this. With African-American knowledge workers, it was about representation. You know, there's mm -hmm. no head of a table on a Zoom call. Uh, mm -hmm. The need for code switching is reduced virtually versus in office. And so I think organizations, as they really begin to look at place, will begin to see that each of them shouldn't just be like a generic copy of another office. They mm -hmm. should have some intentionality to it. And there's some activities that people will prefer to do at home, others that they'll prefer to do in the office. We've actually gotten quite specific um, in the sharing of our research around if you want to design an office for post-pandemic hybrid working, focus on these experiences because these are the ones that are toughest to, to do at home. Um, and think about supporting these activities at home. You know, we've got hundreds of customers that are now providing chairs, providing Wi-Fi routers and other things for their employees because they don't want to leave 40% of somebody's productivity to chance. Mm. So that was a long answer, but basically these spaces are becoming much more purposeful and less mm. generic and more intentional. And if done right, it can actually save the organization real estate dollars while providing the employees far more choice. Yeah, you went, you did a real deep dive there into the, the emerging hybrid working, <clears throat> hybrid uh, scenario, which, which I do think is going to be, uh, which, which I think is the future. Um, the, the, the very near future, right? Totally. And, 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 and yeah, I, I, I shared your, um, just I, I was taken aback when I, when I saw some of these, these banks in New York that were saying, you know, no, everybody has to come back to the office. I thought, what are you, well, what are you thinking? <laughs> I just didn't, no, I did not understand that at all. Some sort of, obviously they were thinking something and it, and it felt compelling to them, but I just don't understand it at all. Um, the, well, I, I will ahead. jump in, Brent, and just say I do understand some of the leadership concerns about, <laughs> in particular, around what does it look like to maintain a healthy, cohesive culture when you've got teams that are more and more distributed. But we need to remember that people like distributed working, the spreading out of work, that had happened since Wi-Fi. So people, yeah. well before 2020, were working from home and the coffee shop and the supplier and the co-working space. It's just organizations didn't necessarily have a strategy for dealing with this. And some organizations like those banks will take an office first strategy. And if they do so, they need to make sure those office experiences are amazing and that they cover off on as many experiences as possible. We've seen many of our customers, mostly leading tech companies, move towards a remote first approach where they'll still have offices, but home becomes primary workplace. But to your point, the majority are saying hybrid to some extent and wrestling with what that really means. 
Yeah, and 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 making your office if 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 it's going to be primarily on site, right? Making sure this is the thing we talk about. Um, you know, investing in your in your employees, right? Um, if you're if you're going to to and, and investing in the employee experience, right? And nobody is saying there's necessarily a correlation between um, uh, work from home and a better employee experience. In fact, maybe there isn't. Uh, we don't know that that's sort of a just a thing that some people, oh yeah, better employee experience because you can work from home. Maybe not for everybody, right? Uh, but but if you're going to uh, mandate or excuse me, require that they that they come back to the office, that, then you are still going to invest in the employee experience somewhat, somehow. You have this great resignation happening right now. It is happening, right? And so you need some way to to um, um, in, entice. Uh, employees to stay, and you're absolutely right. You know, designing that office, putting the money into that office, so that it, so that it is an inviting place for them. I just want to go back to one thing that was super interesting to me. It's a little bit of a tangent, but I thought it was really interesting. You talked about cubicles, right? And I mean, there was a movie about the, um, uh, you know, office space. I mean, <laughs> about just the, just the total just soul-crushing life of live of working in a in a cubicle cubicle we've all been there and to me you know it's interesting the workplace you talked about you know back in 68 i think it was this idea of the office of work being a landscape right and then but then the desktop desktop computer kind of took over and everything was built around it's like workspaces were built around you know, accommodating the computer, this, mm -hmm. this fixed ass, this fixed at, I assume me, um, I, well, at the time, you know, actual desktop computers, not laptops. So they, you know, they move for the most part, immovable, you know, not, not practically, you know, like portable, like a laptop or, or an, or an iPad or something like that. And so that kind of homogenized the, um, the design of offices. And, and there was little thought put into that because it was so IT driven in terms of make, you mentioned IT being involved in the process um, of making workspaces, right? And that's a very, I, that to me is what the workplace looks like if IT runs the show, right? You know, that's <laughs> sort of the homogenization of the workplace. Maybe you can just go into that a little bit. It's funny. I don't think most IT professionals knew the impact of their choices, particularly their network choices on workplace. Um, and I, in some ways, IT led us into that era, but also led us out of it. So there was, and by the way, I'm a bit of a history geek. So, and, I, and of course, working in research, I can get super down a, a bunny trail here. But there was a movement after World War II in Germany known as Bureau Landschaft, which was office landscape. And it was the origins of what we would call the open office. But it was just that it was a, it was a landscape. It was it was in some ways inspired by urban planning, and what would it look like for the interior of an environment to have this kind of interesting variety? And so when we invented the first modular furniture product, which is we don't call them cubicles because that's not what we designed. What we designed were panels which were flexible, surfaces that supported work in a variety of postures. Sit stand is not a a thing of the last 10 years, we were supporting standing work, sitting work from 1964 on. Um, it was a really rich, interesting environment. It, there was, if you look at the pictures of the time, there was a lot of color, there was a lot of movement, there was fewer right angles, it was less orth orthogonal and more varied. And 
it was specifically computer networks. Um, it was Cat5 Ethernet cables leading to desktops that when I entered the industry in 1994, it's not an exaggeration to say the space was planned around the computer networks. You would look at a floor plan, say, where do the computers go? How do you route those cables? And the furniture became the infrastructure for bringing power and data to those terminals. And then the people got just placed in last. <laughs> I mean, there, was, <laughs> yeah. there was very little choice there. Now, for all that, the IT world, as it moved towards mobility, uh, as it embraced consumerization, as we've embraced IoT. I mean, today, like we have a sensor product that measures real time the use of space. Furniture has become an infrastructure for sensing now. So, mm. in some ways, it's all kind of reversed from um, that idea that it was a very static environment where the user had very little choice, and now it's evolved to no, it's it's a landscape again, and. Mm. Um, we need to support mobile tools and we need to uh, support smart working environments. And before I pause, I'm going to take a little digression back to your comment about employee experience and work from home, because I will say, I know many of our viewers here today or listeners here today probably have worked with Gallup in some uh, capacity on employee engagement metrics. Many don't realize that Gallup has put out a piece called State of American Workplace every year. And yeah. if I go back pre-pandemic to the 2020 report or the years previous to that, there was a pretty tight correlation, not necessarily between engagement and specifically home, but engagement and choice of location. So if you look oh, at the data, okay. it'll show the lowest levels of engagement for those that work almost exclusively from the office or almost exclusively from home, the highest mm -hmm. levels of active disengagement for those that are in one place or another. And in the middle, Regardless of the ranges, the numbers increase. Um, excuse me, the engagement numbers increase, but the disengagement numbers decrease. And the basic takeaway is the more choice you give someone, the more engaged they're going to be. And, and we know the positive effects of engagement on organizational outcomes. That's really interesting. It, it, it may also have something to do with uh, people's appetite for um, the average appetite for face-to-face you know, interaction versus going back to, you know, not everybody is a full extrovert. Not everybody is a full on introvert either. Most people are along the spectrum. So that might have something to do with it too. But this very interesting choice, having the, the choice that, 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 that to me is a, um, um, you know, that, that implies, I would infer that as freedom if I had the choice, right? I have some freedom here and free people love freedom. <laughs> um, you know, let's, what I would like to get to go back to is um, what are these HR? I mean, I, I can guess what they're what they're approaching you about, but what are some of the questions that these HR folks that you're increasingly um, interacting with? What what are they asking you? What, what what do they want to know? What 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 are their challenges? Yeah, most of the questions originate from things that aren't necessarily spatial. So we started looking at. Um, supporting distributed teams a long time ago. We did a deep dive with the head of user experience at Skype as an example in 2013 and 14 on the use of video. And I hired an applied cultural anthropologist to study like, can people trust each other effectively on video, I think in 2014. So a lot of it these days is around, what does it look like if we just take a glance at other organizations that made this transition years ago for teams that are more spread out to maintain a healthy culture? What does it look like in terms of specific um, 
leadership skills or practices to help keep those teams thriving? What's the role of physical office environment in supporting people when, when and if they can work anywhere? But a lot of it boils down to employee experience. It's basically the realization that workplace experience is a subset of employee experience. Mm -hmm. And um, what should the organization begin to do to think about um, creating spaces that are desirable? I, basically, workplace is on demand in a world of hybrid working. And um, you know, back in the fall, when organizations were asking me more around, like, do we need offices? I would say, well, we've been cooking from home the last year, but nobody's asking if we need restaurants because we cherish the experience of restaurants. What you're implying to me is that if you're at, you're questioning the value of workplace, it must not be a great experience because you're you're willing to let it go, and so are your employees. So. We've seen examples and we've helped to create environments that people love to go to. You know, it's really epicenter of culture. Um, and we talk a lot with HR leaders around um, more, more things related to organizational behavior. So theory X, theory Y, you know, Douglas McGregor, what does it look like in a theory Y organization to support a workplace? The, the topic that I personally love talking about the most is um, Mark Granovetter's old framework of strong ties, weak ties. So mm. strong ties are our immediate networks. They're the people that we're closest to, our friends, our close coworkers. Weak ties are our extended networks, our acquaintances, the people we don't see regularly. But they're really critical to our sense of community and culture. And what 2020 and the, the quarantine did, by and large, was it deeply strengthened the strong ties, right? So like, yeah. I know the names of my employees' pets. I know yeah. how much per piece of, of plywood one of my employees paid to get his roof redone. I mean, I know more about that group and they know more about me than we ever dreamed. But there's hundreds of people in my extended network, my weak ties, that I missed without even realizing I'm missing them. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult when you're only using video um, or audio meeting tools to have any reason to encounter them. So most organizations, particularly leading HR individuals are beginning to understand that their physical environments want to become the cultural epicenter of the space, that mm -hmm. it's where weak ties flourish, that to get people into the office, you, it's kind of like going to a party. You, yeah, I want to go to the party, but I don't want to go unless I'm going to go with somebody really close to me. So you mm -hmm. need to both support like people's on-demand use of it as a team, as a close team, but you really want to get these different groups interacting with each other in different spaces. So the whole community socialization part, more immersive team activity stuff you can't do on an hour-long Zoom call, um, this desire to create more equitable work experiences. And then there's one topic we haven't talked about yet, which is applying universal and inclusive design principles to create a more inclusive physical environment, which even in the world of office design and interior design is still a pretty emergent concept. These are the most common things we're asked about. And we love yeah. talking. Yeah, I, I mean, that's fascinating. Um, one of the things you mentioned a, a moment ago, and, and, and we're, we're starting to run out of time here, but um, one thing you mentioned was, you know, the desire to go back to to a workplace, you know, to an actual physical space. And, 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 and we actually had um, a guest here on HR Tech Chat about a month ago. It was actually iSIMS, which is a well-known talent acquisition uh, technology company. And they have their annual, uh, the class of report. So, you know, the, the, the graduating class, college class of that year, and the graduating class of 2021. And those 
those people, they, they don't, those college kids that are getting out of school, they don't want to work from home. They want to have that experience. They want to go to so you have to remember that too, right? It's very important that, you know, there's, there's sort of a, um, there's a, a rite of passage or a, a cultural uh, experience, a shared cultural experience that um, in the world of work that, that, that we have to be very careful that we don't, you know, sort of throw away inadvertently. Um, I guess it's just another compelling, uh, compelling argument for, for, for choice, the hybrid workplace which I, yeah. it is but i will jump in and say um under the the kind of the guise of um uh, guideposts and guardrails this is something we need to be a little concerned about um and there's some debate by the way and, and i find myself it, it actually her miller one of the ways that we uncover insights is we actually have a debating society like we actually want to go debate some of this stuff and this topic of do young people trend towards wanting to work from home or the office is one that there's a lot of disagreement about. I will tell you the best data I've seen and the best anecdotal experiences I've had indicate that long-term, the people that are most comfortable working from home are the ones with the most established networks who are most grounded in the culture, um, who are most secure in their role. And that's not the new people to the organization and that's not usually the young people. So. I think the bigger risk in hybrid is that the people who should be helping to acculturate the new folks, the younger folks, are, are not present. And so, you know, at Herman Miller, we kind of have this don't be a stranger policy where it's, um, you don't have to come in to do your emails or meetings. You can sit literally and have coffee for six hours if you want. But if you're, if you're part of the company, you've been around for 15 years and you've got your network, please be present now and then to, build into these people to acculturate folks to have those kinds of moments. Um, I think that is something that we all need to, to be quite aware of. And I do fall under the camp of the younger people by and large want to come into the office. In fact, perhaps more so than, you know, the, the folks that have been around uh, a while. That's a great point. Yeah. You, you don't want just a bunch of young kids at the, um, kids at the office, right? You want to have a blend of the, um, of the, the various um, uh, generations and some of the leaders of the organization, right? Mentors and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. There's yeah. so much that happens in person. Um, great, great conversation, Ryan. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. I mean, this has just been a fascinating discussion. I think that um, I know I've learned something. Today. Well, I, I appreciate being part of it. We, um, we put out a lot of our research on our, our research tab uh, on our website, but specifically around the topics we've discussed. If you just go to hermiller.com uh, forward slash future of work, you'll see a lot of the topics that we've um, discussed reflected there. But this has been awesome. I'm really thankful that you had me on. Thanks, Ryan. We'll, um, we'll make sure to uh, include that link in the uh, intro for this when it goes live. Thank you. Great. Take care. Thanks.